everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. The Allianz Global Pension Report analyzes pension systems in 75 countries to identify which ones are best prepared for demographic change. In this episode, with Arna Holzhausen, Head of Insurance, Wealth and Trend Research, and Senior Economist Michaela Grimm, we find out more about this year's results and what they mean for policymakers. Hello, Arna and Michaela. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Hello, Maria. So first, can you tell us more about the Allianz Pension Index? What are you measuring and what countries do you cover? Thank you for your question. So just to give you the frame why we are doing this exercise. Well, due to the double aging of societies, that is, on the one hand, due to the gains in life expectancy and declining fertility rates on the other, the number of people in retirement age is going to increase much stronger than the number of people in working age. So pension systems, especially the one that are pay-as-you-go funded, need to be adapted to demographic change in order to guarantee the long-term financial stability and the adequacy. So with our index, we assess how well-prepared pension systems are to weather the impact of demographic change, not only with respect to the long-term financial sustainability, but also with respect to the adequacy. So supplementary capital-funded elements, incentives to postpone retirement, or the adjustment of retirement age to the developments in life expectancy, they help to improve the long-term financial sustainability of a pension system, for example. And when we assess the pension system's adequacy, well, the first thing that comes to mind is the global benefit level. But as important is the coverage of the pension system. Furthermore, we take into account the accessibility of financial services. They are the basic precondition for supplementary private capital-funded old-age provision. And last but not least, we look at the integration of older workers in the labor market, which will get more important in, when we see that the retirement age will be or should be increased further. So to assess the overall need for reforms, we take also into account what we call the basic conditions, that is the age structure in an economy, the pace of demographic change, the financial leeway of governments to finance, to finance pension deficits out of the state budget in the future, and last but not least, the overall living standards. So you asked how many countries do we cover? We cover, in this edition, 75 countries. Besides industrialized countries, we cover also countries in emerging markets that is in Latin America, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Okay. So I think you touched upon this already, but maybe you can give us a little bit more details about the demographic context. So which economies are particularly under pressure from aging societies? So since many pension systems, especially in us less countries, are pay-as-you-go financed, that means that the current pensioners are financed by the contribution that are levied on the working age population. The ratio of pensioners is per, per people in working age is going to deteriorate further they have the most important need to adjust um, the pension systems to the demographic change. So when we look at the older pension ratios, we have two different aspects in, in mind. So in many European countries and in Japan, the older dependency ratio is already relatively high. 
So today's list of the 10 countries with the highest old dependency ratio worldwide is dominated by the EU countries, Italy, Finland, Greece, Portugal, France, Great Germany, Bulgaria, and Latvia. But on the other hand, it's the pace of demographic change. And here we see that it's most dynamic in Asian markets and in the Middle East. In these countries, the old dependency ratios will double or even treble within the next three decades. That is, the demographic change will go much faster than we have seen it in the European countries, for example. So the time to adapt to demographic change in these countries is much shorter than we had it in the industrialized countries. Okay, so what does this year's pension index reveal? Which ones have the most sustainable pension systems and which countries may require further reforms? Yeah, thank you, Maria. I think it's great that you say require further reforms because that's our point. I mean, we give scores to all the pension systems from one to seven, but that does not mean that one very good and seven very bad. It only means that there are different needs for reform. There are 50 shades of reform needs and you're never done. I mean, there's not such a thing like the perfect pension system that can withstand all the challenges that will be stable over the centuries. You have always to adjust. You have always to 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 take into account changing circumstances. You see that, for example, even demographic change, as Michaela alluded to, is a dynamic concept. You have growth rates. You have productivity growth. So there's a lot of parameters you have to take take into account to adjust on a continuous basis our, your pension system. Having said that, that means for sure there are some pension systems, like the ones that scored very well in our uh, indicating in our index, for example, Denmark, the Netherlands, Sweden, so the, the usual suspects, that have less to do, that can probably live with only minor and smaller adjustments over the coming years because they have already in place these built-in stabilizers. And they, on the other hand, pension systems that are in urgent need for a major overhaul because they have to put in place first and foremost institutions to make a stable pension system. That's for sure mostly uh, applies to the emerging markets. There still is a lot of work to do, especially also with labor markets and with this basic foundations for uh, where you can build on your pension system. That's in a nutshell our results. And are there any surprising or interesting developments since the last edition? Well, surprising is probably saying too much, but what we found interesting are two aspects, maybe. One is that even with COVID-19, this huge global pandemic, the impact on the longer-term run on a longer term view on demographics, on, on life expectancy is really only a minor impact. It's negligible. So that really does not change the overall picture. Because that's for us was quite interesting because the pandemic was such a severe, was such a life-threatening experience. But if you look from a longer term perspective, you see it's it's not really, at least from the if you look at through the lens of the pension system, not really as important as we thought it would be. The other thing what's interesting thing is that, I mean, <laughs> you know this from, from France, from your home country, that pension reform is a very hotly debated and contested uh, topic, and that there's a lot of protests and a lot of political uh, yeah, battles that were spelled on, on, on this topic. But 
if you look really what's on the table of reforms, you could be forgiven to think there are really some politicians coming up with some radical reforms and some really break with the past. Not so far, not so, not so fast because most of the reforms we see and most of the measures that will be discussed are only incremental measures. Even the, the France with this raise of the retirement age, increase in the retirement age. If you look what it will be the impact on the, a year spent in retirement, the impact is also not so big. So for me, it's also the, for us was interesting to see that despite all these easy rumors, because despite all the, the noise around the topic, what really comes out and what really is discussed is only incremental steps mainly in the right direction. But we fear that that will be not enough to really that sustainable and adequate pension system in the long run because we see this really dramatic and, and fundamental changes into the demographic background. Okay. And interestingly, we're talking about pensions at a time when interest rates have also turned positive after a prolonged period of low or even negative levels, right? So how does this affect the outlook for pension systems globally? Higher interest rates are clearly a positive for pension systems, especially they are positive for savers because as we talked about or as we analyze pension system, pension system or stable pension system uh, consists of two parts. One part is the pay-as-you-go where you have this basic coverage and the other part is the capital-funded pillars where you have this additional income in all the age. And that's where the interest rates and the effect of compound interest rates come into play. I mean, this is the most important thing, the most important weapon you have as a saver to build really wells over long term. And with zero interest rates, it's much harder to build the necessary nest egg for retirement to have uh, adequate savings to, 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 to fund your, your, your life and your, to keep your life standard in retirement. So that's really a positive. On the other hand, what we have seen also in the recent year or in the recent 12 months was a really dramatic turnaround in interest rates. And that means for sure this brings its own problems with it. This is mainly adjustment problems. What we have seen in the, for example, in UK, in the British situation with the British pension funds last year, which had some troubles with this uh, yeah, very quick uh, rise, you know, uh, in, uh, increase in interest rates that forced the central banks, the Bank of England, to intervene to call markets. And generally speaking, with this dramatic turnaround in interest rates, a lot of assets lose value, and this could also spell trouble for investors like institutional investors, like pension funds. But that, for sure, is an adjustment issue. Long term, also, these investors will benefit from higher risk-free uh, returns. Another concern, which is also more long-term, is if you look at many pension systems which are, in our view, not really fit for future and that are built on the premise that if the going gets really tough, there will be always some yeah, lender of last resort and that will be the government, that always the state will be in a position, has the f financial capacity to subsidize pension system if it's really get in big trouble. But this was probably true um, more yeah, conceivable at times where the state can borrow itself for free with 
interest rates. Now is return to interest rates with higher burdens for, for our debt, uh, burdens and, and higher interest payments for the state as well. We see again that there's a specter of also sovereign defaults and we see it already in emerging markets, many emerging markets, but it would be foolish to assume that industrial countries, developed countries will be spared of this risk. And this is in our view something that makes it even more urgent to, to reform, to, to put a pension system on a really stable. Um, so what does this mean for policymakers? What are the reforms that should be the top priority? Well, we have to, to distinguish between industrialized countries with major pension systems, and we have to have a look in emerging markets. So both regions we have to take into account, or policymakers have to take into account the long-term sustainability of the pension systems. But while we see that in industrialized countries, it's especially sustainability that needs to be in the focus, that is the need of introducing or strengthening the capital-funded pillars, and for example, adapting the retirement age to life expectancy increases, in emerging markets, the coverage of the pension systems is in the foreground. And to make sure that the financial accessibility, financial access of the population gets improved and financial literacy gets improved to make sure that there is all those uh, possibility to make private pension provision. Okay. Thank you very much, Arna and Kira. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.